0: Hi there, just popping in at the top to warn you that this podcast episode may include some language that's inappropriate for young ears. And as always, there will be spoilers ahead. Now enjoy the show. (laughs) Hey there, welcome to Tear Jerkers, the podcast where we rate movies on a scale of how much they make us sob. Because sometimes you just need a good cry, and we're here to tell you where to find it. I'm performer, writer, and young person who just can't wait to become an elder, Maybelle Shimizu. And today I'm joined by a special guest host. Would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah. Hey, everyone. Um, I'm Caitlin Reed, and I am a writer, filmmaker, and lover of languages, and I'm so excited to be here. That's
0: wonderful. So today we'll be discussing sexism mired in tradition. Emotional illiteracy. Old men who finally see the error of their ways. And the but-it's-a-girl prophecy loophole. It's Whale Rider. And then we'll finish with What Made Me Cry this week. But before that, I was so excited that you suggested this movie, Caitlin. What's your background with it?
1: This is actually one of my mom's favorite movies. Um, so I I put it on the list because uh, not only is it one of my mom's favorite movies, but it's the first movie that I ever encountered that I actively was consciously aware of the fact that it was directed by a woman. And it also, like, kind of combined two of the things that, like, I've always like i I don't want to say that i loved in life but um i'm a huge fan of the ocean Mm -hmm. and uh, my mom's side of the family um like grew up in hawaii and so a lot of the like pacific islander um culture is like very prevalent um throughout my mom's side of the family and so even though this is taking place in new zealand it has that similar place um kind of in my heart as like nostalgia a little bit
0: yeah i totally get that yeah Yeah, on the last episode that you were on with us, you talked a little bit about your heritage as a Japanese American by way of Hawaii. And so I completely understand why you see some of the cultural similarities between a Maori tradition and Hawaiian tradition. Yeah. The Pacific Islands. And um, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. My first time watching this movie, I want to say, was in like middle school. I think it was in middle school I only saw it one time and I definitely did not understand it like watching it today I was like oh I did not get this movie when I was a kid it completely flew over my head but um I loved it and I'm really glad I got to watch it again as an adult and like really pay attention to it
1: yeah and one thing I really like about it is that now um watching it after I have been to New Zealand and like even though like I, I, I'm not Maori and I don't know the culture like I do speak a little like a little Hawaii and like I do have that background but now actually have been to New Zealand and have talked to like people I kind of understand a little bit more than like differences in the nuance of um, Maori culture. And, like, I know I'm, I'm saying Maori, but, like, I'm hoping they I'm pronouncing it correctly. Like, I'm trying my best. So, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. I'm such a haole. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I really hope our listeners understand that at all times we are doing our best to be respectful of any culture that we discuss. Yeah. You know, we're never trying to make fun of anyone or take their language for granted. So, I take you in the good faith that, obviously, you intend to pronounce things as well as you can.
1: Yeah. So, Maybell, what is this movie about? Only males are allowed to
0: ascend to chiefdom in a Maori tribe in New Zealand. This ancient custom is upset when the child selected to be the next chief dies at birth. However, his twin sister, Pai, survives. At age 12, she enlists the help of her grandmother and her uncle to claim her birthright. But to break with convention, she'll have to do the impossible, win over her ultra-traditional grandfather. And that's the movie we're going to be discussing. But before we get into it, let's take a little break. This week's episode of Tear Jerkers is brought to you by Disappointing Your Grandparents.
1: Ah, yes. Disappointing your grandparents. I know it well. (laughs) So, um, I have a couple of stories. Most of my grandparents, may they rest in peace, are no longer on this plane of existence. So... These two stories are coming from a place of love. Um, my grandfather is still alive on my mom's side, so he's getting a pass. I'm not going to tell a story about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my grandmother on my mom's side um, is Asian American from Hawaii, and she always wanted me to be more ladylike. In fact, both my grandmothers did. Mm. I was never a ladylike uh, child growing up. I was definitely a tomboy. Um <laughs> And I just remember I jumped into our minivan while she was sitting in it once when we're like going out to do something. And she, the look she gave me, like was so disappointed at the way (sighs) I jumped into the minivan that I felt it in my soul. Uh, Mm. So I exited the vehicle and tried again.
0: (laughs) Oh my goodness.
1: It's okay. But she loved me later because she realized that I could draw. So we just drew flowers together on our free time. So it was redeemed. But it's just. I am not the lady-like girl in the skirt that she wanted me to be. I was the mud-covered, crazy, wild child that she didn't expect. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I totally feel it. I feel like somehow having your grandparents be disappointed in you is, like, worse than your parents being disappointed in you. It's, like, a hundredfold.
1: Oh, absolutely, Yeah.
0: When I was in high school um, and I knew that I wanted to be in entertainment, I was thinking about different types of jobs that I could work to support myself while I was trying to break through in entertainment. And one time when my father's mother was visiting us, I mentioned at the dinner table that I planned to become a bartender so that I could cover my bills until I really made it as an entertainer. And my, um, my father's mother is a teetotaling Southern Methodist who was horrified at the prospect <laughs> of her youngest, I mean, I'm not the youngest grandchild, but I'm the only child in this section of the family, absolutely horrified by the prospect that I would be serving alcohol to who knows who, you know? Oh my goodness. Um, is really the first time that I that I think I shocked her, and um, a few days later she came by my bedroom and and expressed her like deep spiritual concern for my life plan, and I had to turn it around somehow. So I was just like, well, well, Grandy, I think that these people, you know, anybody who's been going to these places for so long, like they really need someone to minister to them. So, I convinced my grandmother that I was gonna become a bartender so that I could preach at the barflies. and that's uh that's what got her on my team again. you know, she was like, "Oh, okay, if you're gonna go spread the word of the Lord,
1: then yeah, you go, <laughs> I love it i I absolutely love it. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's so brilliant that you were able to just like think on your feet, you'd be like, "No, I got this." Like I got this, Grandma. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. Don't worry. Um, do I'm it. I'm totally gonna I'm gonna do this for Jesus. Exactly. I'm gonna be a bartender for Jesus. Yes.
1: I Jesus put me on this earth to be a bartender, and mm-hmm. and that is his intention, and that is what I'm doing. Exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Jeez, the lengths I will go to to avoid disappointing my elders. Right.
1: All oh, right. Because like you mentioned before, it feels worse. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Because, like, I feel like they're, they're on some level you're supposed to, like, rebel against your parents. Mm-hmm. But disappointing your grandparents, it feels almost like you are a terrible person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, in your soul.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like bringing shame to the yeah. family line and dishonor. And all the other words that are used in Mulan.
1: Right. (laughs) Oh, man. Let's get back to the show. Yeah. All righty.
0: So how were you feeling when you started watching this movie for the most recent time?
1: I will tell you exactly how I was feeling. Because this is going to sound a little bit funny. um, But I had just sent a risky email. Oh, so I had just sent that email, and I'm like, I am too anxious. I have too much anxiety to, like, wait for a response. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to watch this movie to see if I can calm down before I get anything else done.
0: I actually just watched this movie right before we got on the call to do the podcast. <laughs> yes. Um I pushed it off until the last minute. Yeah. So, Beautiful. um. But, like, I was in a pretty good headspace. I just got back from running some errands and was, like, eating my lunch, dinner, dinner, um, while I did the laundry and started the movie. So, yeah, I was feeling pretty even keel today. Oh, that's good. Which is good. Yeah. yeah. I really like this movie. I remember that I liked it a lot when I first watched it as a young person, but... I didn't remember a lot about the movie other than like the climax. I remember, yeah. I remember the part about how she messes up the chant, and then the whales beach themselves, and then it kind of seems like it's her fault. Um, that had a very deep impact on me as a child watching it because of my mother and her religion. She told me the that like oh the exact same thing is true about like our religious chant and that if you mess up the amatsunori goto, then like bad things will happen. And let me tell you not great stuff to internalize when you're like 12 or 13 years old and you just watch this other 12 year old go on this like very deep emotional journey about yeah. essentially like causing ecological destruction with the power of her, um, mistake in words. So yeah, I, I, that's the only part of the movie I really remembered from before. But um, I I was surprised by the, like... I shouldn't have been surprised by, but I think it's because I remembered so little of the movie. But the level of just the emotional tension throughout the movie. These men who cannot deal with their feelings. Just a lot. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. No, that's that's something that, like, I... I noticed, again, watching it as an adult a little bit more. Um, especially, like, as an adult, I, I am working on my own emotions and my own, like, connection to my emotions. So seeing people who are struggling with that, it, it did make more of an impact um, on me. Uh, so I do agree, agree with that in that sense. Um, but yeah, it's, it is different watching it as an adult. Um, I remember watching it as a child. Like, I think I was, like, nine when I first watched it the first time. Like, I was very young. Um, and then I didn't watch it again until I was about, like, 18 or 19, and I, because we watched it for a class um, in college. And I remember telling people what I had thought the movie was about and realized that I had, like, met, remembered it differently than what it actually is. Mm. Like, I gave Pi um, more of a heroic, like, showing of, like, her skill as a Badass, because um, mm-hmm. in my in my like nine year old brain, I had reimagined Pi grabbing the like necklace from the ocean and then like mm-hmm. placing it in, like her being the one that places it in front of the grandfather. Mm-hmm. And that was a misremembering because that's not what happens in the actual movie. And I remember telling someone about it in college before we had watched the movie, and she had also watched the movie, but she had seen it earlier. And she was like, "That's not how that happens." But I enjoy your your re edit of it.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So I, yeah. The
0: heroism in this movie is very interesting to me. Yeah. Because I definitely feel like if this was an American story about overcoming sexism in one's culture, then yeah, Pi would have been the one who was like, hey, I showed you with this whale tooth necklace. And like, it would be a lot more about her individual overcoming of her situation and not about like, the community around her and her family and how everybody kind of has to learn how to get over this tradition of sexism and the expectation that only men are capable of leading
1: yeah what i also really liked about it is that it did it it didn't shy away from all of the cultural aspects of it Mm -hmm. um and i haven't read the book that it's based off of but just just my experience with what it's like to live um, in a community where, like, there are, like, indigenous people dealing with the trauma of colonization.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, definitely that lo- underlying tone of it all was very prevalent and very much intertwined with all the decisions that every character makes. Um, and you can't really watch it without, like, n- understanding that that is, like, the history of um, this place, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I really liked um, this part in the beginning where the grandfather is having an argument with Pai's father about his privilege and his obligation. Yeah. Like the differences between having the privilege of being this jet-setting artist who goes to Europe and presents in galleries and has a white partner in um, Germany – Versus like his obligations, his duties to his parents, his tribe, and a lot of the kind of stuff that I feel like, I don't know, I feel like it, and I might be wrong about this, but I I feel like it's very foreign for white American audiences to hear about familial obligation in this sense, in this very like strong traditional ancestor based sort of culture
1: yeah
0: i feel like in a lot of western films we're told like screw tradition you know it's all about upheaval and like the single man's journey to greatness and this movie doesn't make space for that yeah and i like that i think that there are other stories to be told about that
1: yeah and I, I totally agree with you, because, like, you do see, especially, like, in American movies, that American individualism, that sort of, like, exceptional because I'm an individual genius kind of a feeling, rather than a source of community. And one thing that I really like about Whale Rider is that um, it does tap into a lot of um, this community cultural aspect that you see in a lot of, like, like films coming out of New Zealand about Maori. Um, so you have, um, like, especially when they, like, are talking about, like, the keep like not I don't want to say reclaim but like the upholding of traditional um ceremonies um because one thing that I've always admired about New Zealand is in like Aotearoa the people of Aotearoa is um they have fought so hard to keep their culture thriving
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and where uh Tereo Maori the language is all like is an official language of New Zealand so it's both English and Te Reo Maori, and also, like, just seeing that, you know, they still go to the Marae, and they still, like, talk about their ancestors that are carved on the walls at the Marae, and then they talk about, like, they, they pass down these traditions. Um, and seeing how much work and knowing how actual people <laughs> um, from New Zealand, uh, like, pass down their culture is very heartwarming to me, especially after, like, knowing... A lot of people in like Hawaii and like even in like mainland United States um the indigenous people like the Native American people what they have gone through to have their culture erased, and I'm not saying that like New Zealand is perfect Mm -hmm. because there is this like bright stain of colonialism and they have fought really hard but it is nice to see that there is still this level of respect and understanding that this is a sovereign people and this is like a culture that is can still be thriving and still be passed down um and still survive which is something that like again like people forget when it when it talks about like American indigenous because oftentimes people don't realize that we still have like <laughs> native people that live here whose land this is mm-hmm. um yeah whose culture is still here even though the American government has tried to eradicate it multiple times you know so yeah no I understand I think
0: um I've read about the struggle to be seen as real and existing for First Nations people of the Americas. I remember not fully understanding as a child that these were real people who were still alive because of the erasure in our education system. I didn't learn about whose land we occupied until I was in like college and it became a wider discussion. Um, And something I really like about this movie is that almost the entire cast is maori yeah like the i think the only shot of a non maori person was the doctor in the hospital who was helping deliver the infants and even then like no lines just yeah. in the room at the hospital and then otherwise all of the other actors all of the characters are in this community together and it is really about this one tribe
1: yeah.
0: all together And it isn't even necessarily about this tribe against the world or against, like, settler colonialism. Like, that isn't so much at play as it is about, like, their fight to survive in the world in general. Yeah. (laughs) My favorite character was the grandmother.
1: Oh, I love her so much. Nanny? Oh, my gosh.
0: Okay, I didn't fully understand why Pai called her
1: grandfather...
0: Paka, but her grandmother nanny yeah like the the difference there i was kind of interested in i think it's a very i think it's a very interesting choice um because her grandfather is so traditional and then her grandmother is a little bit a little bit like cooler yeah let's be real yeah. um but i loved grandma i loved nanny so much
1: oh uh, i absolutely love her like she I don't want to say ball buster, because I feel like that's, like, not a really great phrase, uh, but she's a badass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's a freaking badass, and the way that she advocates for people mm-hmm. is really great, and, like, secretly also advocates for people. Like, she, she's very vocal, especially standing up to Koro, the grandfather, mm-hmm. but she's also, like... Like sneaky about certain things. Mm-hmm. Like she, she like isn't. I feel like she's the one that tells uh, Pi about um, her uncle being really good at that taiga, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I yeah. loved that. Yeah, I loved her bits about how her husband thinks that he's the boss, and she's <laughs> like, oh, I let I let Coral think he's the boss, yeah. or saying like, you might be the boss out there, but I'm the boss of this kitchen. Yeah. Oh and
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I will. I will decide who cleans the kitchen
1: yes love her love her
0: so much I need I need like a movie trilogy about this woman yeah
1: I I want her same energy for like my entire life she's the type of
0: elder I want to grow up to become
1: (laughs) yes exactly oh absolutely oh man so if we're going to talk about like emotional scenes Mm -hmm. like because this is tearjerkers after all after all after all yeah um I think the two that always like hit me is That's when she's giving the speech at the end, and then like her with the whale at the end. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's such a heavy moment and it's such an emotional oh, yeah. moment that I've just it's it's so it it's it speaks to my soul. No, but like yeah, it, if you feel how heavy this is on her, mm-hmm. this burden of both leadership and like maintaining a culture at like she's like what twelve you know? Yeah. 13. Yeah. Like the the heaviness of the responsibility of being in this culture and like not just in this culture, but like, you know, mm-hmm. her situation. Yeah. And you see that she, she deals with it with such grace and mm-hmm. understanding. And I hate this term, but it's true wisdom beyond her years. You know? Yes,
0: definitely. I was actually just thinking about how I think it's kind of absurd that um, Koro starts this school to teach the firstborn sons of the tribe the ancient ways, but then he expects them to like be ready to take on the mantle of future chief after what, like a matter of months. Like, I saw absolutely no muscle mass gain on any of those kids. Like, there's yeah. no way that that's enough training. Like, they should have been attending school for at
1: least three years before he takes them to the ultimate test, right? Yeah, right. I mean, like, if if I, I mean, I kind of had the option to choose, but my mom did it. But if... As a Japanese American, I would have had to go to like Japanese school after class during elementary school, mm-hmm. <laughs> like to learn culture stuff. Like,
0: <laughs> I went to Saturday school. I am yeah. a Saturday school dropout. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I did not make it past elementary school, but I, I went.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like if, if we have to do that, like they have to do that for years, like they should have started, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, like,
0: and then I was just thinking about how I feel like those boys are all so young. Yeah. Like, of course, it's impossible for any of them to really be ready to be chosen for this. But at the same time, Pi's the same age. And, you know, why is she more equipped? And I think it's what you said. It's like the wisdom beyond her years. It's the, but it's a girl prophecy loophole. Yeah. I love that, I know. honestly. I, I Every single time there is a prophecy and they're like, the child who is definitely a boy is going to bring down the great forces of evil or start a new age. And then they're like, "Um, actually the prophecy is gender neutral and you guys are all just sexist.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I actually really love that because like, it also highlights this fact of like gender, like neutrals always assumed to be masculine, Mm -hmm. despite not being masculine because it's supposed to be neutral. And then also it, it highlights the fact that like, the disparity of being born female um, mm-hmm. and where you have to work twice as hard to get half as much recognition. Mm-hmm. So I like that. I do want to, um, I do wish I had read the book before re- uh, watching this. Um, of course, I didn't get my hands on it in time because I would have loved to see if, like, because you were, because like when you were talking about how like they'd never gain muscle mass, they're very young, it's just a short period of time. I wonder if in the book it takes a longer time. That could make sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I definitely understand how in the film schedule they were like, well, we want to wrap the movie within the year. We're not looking to do like a long form project where the actors have to like go through puberty before the end of the movie. I understand that that's probably like a lot, but still. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, but. For emotional stuff, I mean, I got choked up right at the beginning when um, Pai's mother dies and then her father is holding her mother's body in the hospital bed. That made me choke up. Um, and then I was pretty dry until the last third of the movie when Pai is at the talent show, or I guess it, they call it a concert, yeah. but it it reminded me of a talent show. And she gets the chance to do her speech And she's looking at the empty chair that her grandfather was supposed to be in. And she starts tearing up because she's so sad that he didn't come out to support her. Like, that made me start tearing up. And then as she describes the circumstances of her birth, that made me start, like, actually crying. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And then at the end, after everything, the elder lady saying that she'll give up smoking if Pi survives... made me tear up a little. I thought it was so silly when pie comes in at the beginning of the movie and tells the elder ladies, um, women shouldn't smoke. We've got to protect our childbearing properties. And I'm like, these women are all well past child
1: rearing, child bearing age. My favorite line is right after that one of them said like, well if I was affecting that I'd be smoking in a weird place or something like that. Yeah.
0: She waits until the child is actually out of the room, but yeah. she does definitely make a dirty joke about that, which is great. It's it's beautiful. Oh, oh yeah. So when they bring that back for that same auntie to yeah. say, you know, I talked I talked to the gods and I made a deal that if Pi wakes up, then I'll quit smokes. And mm-hmm. that was beautiful. And then they show her in the hospital bed and like, her grandfather put the Puta on her, the whale tooth necklace, and that's, like, where he really, that's like the moment where you know that he acknowledges her as chief. Yeah. Or as the next chief. Oh, that was so good. That was all so good.
1: Yeah. Also, like, just the ending, too, where, like, they're on the waka, Mm -hmm. um, just, like, on the the, the ship and going out. Like, I didn't cry during that, but I was just, like, Yes, it was beautiful, yeah. Yeah. and they
0: showed her father came back and brought his new girlfriend, yeah. who seemed like way too pregnant for flight. Yeah, <laughs> but you, whatever. Movie details, um, exactly. Yeah. Which also means that the course of the. The course of the movie all happened within the duration of her pregnancy, yeah. unless they had another kid, that is which true. is also possible. Like they yeah. could have had a second pregnancy, I guess. But yeah, that was something I thought about. Um, I loved, I loved seeing everybody come onto the boat together, and mm-hmm. also they showed like a bunch of the other women in the tribe yeah. um, who were not visible until that moment. And they showed that, like, it wasn't just men who were rowing either. Like, there were women in the mix mm-hmm. of the rowing group. Yeah. I thought that was great.
1: I I definitely, every time I, I finish watching that movie, I'm like, oh, I want more. hmm You know? And I think it's, it's partially because, like, I love a good story <laughs> of, like, of, of someone being an, an underdog. And sort of, like, underestimated their entire lives. And then suddenly is recognized for the amount of work that they have put in. hmm um, But also, just because, like, I, I'm i curious to see just more points of view from, like, indigenous cultures. Mm-hmm. Because so often, like, like, it only really recently have, like, Maori culture has been, like, a forefront in at least American movies because of Taiko Waititi. hmm And, like... I just want to see more of that. Yeah. I think I think it's really cool to have, like, this sense of ownership of your culture and be proud of it, you know? And, yeah. Yeah. The two other movies um, that are about Maori culture that are, like, you can access here in America, in the United States, um, are Once Were Warriors. Um, I do have to give, like, a trigger warning um, for that one because it does deal with um, suicide. But uh, so that once your warriors is really good. Um, dark horse, I really love because dark horse actually. Um, oh gosh, the guy who plays uh, Pororangi, uh, Cliff Curtis, uh, who's Pi's dad and whale rider is also in dark horse. Oh, and it's about yeah, it's about chess. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, so cool. I like that one. So, like, those are the two, yeah, I gotta behind, look yeah. into them, yeah. So, and there's, like, a thriving film community in New Zealand, and not just in Wellington, but, like, all over the island, a lot in the South Island as well. Maori TV has, like, their own station, and where they, like, dubbed Dora the Explorer, or they had dubbed Dora the Explorer in Te Reo Maori, at one point.
0: Oh, that's so nice! Yeah,
1: and so, like, and that station is absolutely lovely. I took a tour over there, and they are just great people, and I I just want to see more film from them, like, from mm-hmm. New Zealand, so... Hmm. Um, yeah, I did laugh at when Koro was like, "Your dicks are gonna fall off if you say this wrong." <laughs> um, I know. I, I remember as a child, I was like very offended by that. <laughs> I just remember being like incredibly offended, but also like, "Ooh, but why am I watching this? This is so scandalous." Um, and then now as an very adult- naughty, yeah, I <laughs> And then now as an adult, just like seeing that scene, I'm just like hit. Hit. <laughs> 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 I know maybe it's pandemic getting to me, but
0: um, what did you think about the rope crap?
1: Got to remind me what that was again.
0: So there was this portion earlier in the movie where Koro is trying to restart the uh, uh, motorboat motor with yeah. a rope that's frayed. And he tells his granddaughter, like, look at this rope. It's all of these component pieces. Right, right. Woven together for strength. And each of the threads represents your ancestors and how they all come together to form a strong rope. And then the rope breaks when he uses it. So he goes to get a new one. And in that time, Pi fixes the rope and then gets the motor to run. And then an hour later in the film, when they're trying to save the giant whale, um, they use a rope rope to try to pull its tail on one end and, like, push the body from the other. And the rope frays when all of the community members are using it. And they give up because the rope snaps. And then Pai is the person who single-handedly saves the whale.
1: I think that's, like, an incredibly interesting visual. Mm-hmm. Because we have already have the symbolic representation. Koro says... This is like your ancestors.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And having it snap for the wrong people, but work for the right people, mm-hmm. kind of has this underlying meaning of you are you can be guided, or at least in this situation, you are guided by the people who have come before you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if they want you to do the thing, you better do the thing. And if you are not the right person to do the thing, you are not doing the thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that just... it. I'm trying, like, I know that for me, I'm I'm probably going to take it differently from, like, a Western lens Um, than I would as someone who is in that community. But, like, from my Western lens, it's always interesting to see when there is a discussion about, like, spiritualism through, like, ancestors and generational ancestors and being that person to take up the mantle of, like, this sort of, I don't want to say trauma, but, like, you are the one taking up the way for your ancestors, because I know that living in the United States, that sort of spiritualism, that feeling of ancestral like lineage, and that it's this is your duty to fulfill what they want you to fulfill, is definitely lost in, in a way of like assimilation
0: mm-hmm.
1: into American culture. Like oftentimes, like you are ta- like you are allowed to express that mm-hmm. culturally, and so. Seeing it not only expressed, but like shown as like a physical representation that this is a thing that's happening, and that she is tapping into this generational and spiritual side of herself um is really interesting visually because a lot of the film does deal with connecting to your past, connecting to your ancestors, connecting to your ancestors and helping them like learning from them to find out who you are. Mm-hmm. I feel like,
0: in a way, Hi is the literal manifestation of the rope healing itself. Yeah. Because there's a lot of stuff where her grandfather says that she is the one who severed the connection of the ancestors. Or not the connection, but like the, the continuation of the line. Because her twin brother died at birth and she survived. So in a lot of ways, I think her grandfather unfairly puts a burden on her for that. And then when the literal rope that they were using to bring the whale back to the ocean being used by all of the community members except for Pi, that rope snapping. And then her being able to come in and save this whale without the rope kind of shows that, like, I think that it means that, like, the ancestors have always intended for her to be the next person and that they actually didn't need the physical rope because she is the, like, symbolic rope. She is the next step and the intention of the ancestors. And that's why, you know, I mean, that, among with other pieces of evidence, is why Kuro changes his heart and realizes that he should have been grooming her to be chief the whole time instead of shunting her off to the side because she's a girl
1: yeah i like your answer like that's <laughs> that's it that's, that's it <laughs> that's the thing yeah it's it's an incredibly i don't know what I, I was gonna say that like it's an incredibly moving like symbol in this mm-hmm. movie there's also the portion
0: where her grandfather prays to the ancestors and doesn't get an answer and she prays to the ancestors and she does get an answer that I think also feeds into this idea that she is actually the destined link all along
1: yeah <laughs> sorry I'm just like sitting here being like wow you're right this is you're right holy shit <laughs> like <laughs> fuck oh man <laughs> I have to rethink my life.
0: I mean, don't rethink your life. I might not have majored in film, but I did major in theater. And yeah. so, like, I know how to read
1: stories. No, I, I, I totally like it. Um, and I think, I think like, for me, like, I I'm always, like, reflecting on, like, how, like, I'm seeing through my own lens of how I'm interpreting it. And because, like, this past year has been, like, a hard one for, like, a lot of people, I've also been, like doing my own sort of like reclaiming of my own like heritage and like this this so this idea of like ancestors and like ancestral like wants and trauma and like listening to them is kind of in my like view of my own like mini world and point of view i've been kind of been (laughs) focusing on like what do my ancestors want from me Mm -hmm. um and that could be just me just trying to find meaning and like the meaningless or it could be something and in, like incredibly profound that I have no idea what I'm doing. But the fact that like this is a film that is entrenched in both the modern and the traditional, mm-hmm. in many ways, um, is incredibly um, inspiring. I don't want to say inspiring. I feel like that's such a stupid word sometimes, but but I can't think of a diff of a better one. You know, mm-hmm. it's thought provoking. Thought, yeah. That makes sense. It is thought provoking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Were there any parts that made you tear up or cry specifically? Like any visual moments?
1: Yeah. So the one place that I always tear up is in the middle of her speech and she's talking about her birth and Mm -hmm. the kind of heaviness of her existence. And then sees the empty chair. Gets me every freaking time yeah
0: yeah oh poor baby
1: yeah i just find it funny that it's like there are a lot of moments where you have good cries in this movie but unfortunately i was watching it through like amazon prime and then because of mm. imdb tv through amazon prime i got commercials at like the wrong moment
0: i was really scared of that happening yeah. <laughs> so i found a way to watch it all the way through okay Yeah. Um, Because I didn't want to be I uh, because I know it's for free on Pluto TV. Yeah. But the last time I tried to watch a movie on Pluto TV, it put all of these really loud ad breaks in that really disrupted the emotional through line of the movie. So um, so our lovely editor Gage helped me find a way to watch the movie with no stops. Nice.
1: That's good. That's good. I'm glad that you did because I didn't. I watched it with the ad break, so it would be like a moment between Pie and uh, Nanny, and she's about to like tell her, like, give her like this emotional pep talk about it's gonna be okay, and then all of a sudden, laundry detergent. Use it. Oh God. <laughs> you know.
0: Ah, uh, capitalism.
1: Right. Yeah,
0: I I had one more um teary moment that I haven't mentioned yet i realized i skipped this um seeing nanny crying on the shoreline as she panics about pie's safety yeah something about the like wailing woman figure especially an elder woman in the community it just like really triggered something in me
1: yeah
0: yeah I have to say that made that really made me tear
1: up. It's a very very sad, but also really good movie.
0: Yeah, I I really like this movie, and I feel like there's a longevity to it. Like it doesn't feel outdated, even though it's been over well over a decade, maybe two decades almost since it came out. Um, yeah. yeah,
1: one thing I, I do like to add is that I like the fact that um, even though I do have um some opinions and thoughts about Nikki Caro, um and like her recent adaptation of Mulan, I do think that how she directed this movie is really well done. And I don't think that it would have had this same impact if it was directed by a man. Of course I could be wrong. But even just understanding the emotional context of what it's like to be seen in society as a woman mm-hmm. is has an important lens to this entire film. And I really liked that they did get a woman director for it. I feel like, I feel like you have to have a woman to direct this.
0: Like, I don't think I'm sorry, but men, like you don't have the range. I don't think you could serve the story as well. It's li- It's like fundamentally a story about sexism and about generational sexism and tradition. And like, I don't think that, I mean, maybe if the story was supposed to be from the point of view of Korra, then, like, it doesn't need to be directed by a woman. But this is really about Pai's journey into becoming herself. And, yeah, of course it had yeah. to be directed by a woman.
1: Yeah. Really excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, more women directors, please.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We def dearly need more women to be directing. Yeah. All right, well, Caitlin, if that's everything you wanted to say on
1: Whale Rider, um, I'm ready for ratings, if you are. Yeah, definitely. Um, But before we give our ratings, um, can you refresh the listeners on our rating scale? Sure thing. So
0: one teardrop is bone dry. Two teardrops, I could see myself crying, but I didn't this time. Three teardrops, it got me a little. Four teardrops, I cried. And five teardrops, full sobbing. So...
1: With that scale in mind, Caitlin,
0: what is your rating?
1: I have to give this movie a four. I want it to be a five, but those freaking ad breaks, man. Oh God. Those freaking ad breaks <laughs> did in. The ad breaks in. just ruin it. Yeah, right? Just, it just it breaks the <sighs> flow of the movie and you can't have that emotional catharsis I'm looking for.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: What about you? Yeah.
0: I'm also going to give this movie a 4. I think because I cry a lot, um, I do decimals in my ratings. So I'm going to give this a 4.2 because I definitely did cry, but I didn't cry like a lot. So it wasn't enough to quite like get me over the 0.5 hump of the 4. So 4.2 for me. Heck yes. (laughs) All righty. So before we get to the
1: end of the show, I think we should take a quick break. Uh, This podcast is sponsored by Elementary School Talent Shows, the place where your soul goes to die when your parents sign you up. Oh, God. Wait, (laughs) so you were
0: forced to perform in the talent shows? Because I ate that shit up. I I mean, obviously, I'm a performer,
1: so. I don't remember school talent shows. That's like the thing. That's funny. I remember other people's school talent shows. I remember going in support of other people's talent shows and not having one of my own. Interesting. I know
0: my elementary school did talent shows every year, and there was always, like, the class number. Like, all of the second graders would do the same number, and all of the third graders. So I know I participated in those. And then I remember my fourth grade, or no, it must have been fifth grade, because I think only fifth graders were quote-unquote qualified. But I actually was one of the MCs for my elementary talent show. So I guess, yeah, I mean, I'm a performer. I I like Love to be on stage, so. But, like, as an adult, watching children try to perform a number
1: is so hard. Oh, my goodness. It's it's so embarrassing. Like, I have secondhand embarrassment seeing a child perform, especially if they have no freaking clue, like, how they look or sound. It's adorable and also embarrassing. Exactly. It's,
0: it's really hard. Maybe it's because you and I, like, We don't spend a lot of time with kids, so we're not quite, like, used to you know, that level of performance. And yeah. we, we both work in, like, professional performance industry. So, yeah. like, it is a little bit weird for us. Um I completely understand that it's just a different thing. Like, parents who go to the elementary school talent show, like, they're not expecting top-quality musicianship. It's just to, like, show your kids support and, like, let them practice being in front of people and doing things either off the cuff or by memory, depending on how good they were at paying attention during rehearsal. But yeah, I mean, I even like worked at an elementary school theater camp when I was in high school. I was like a coach or I don't know, like a counselor or whatever. And like at the end of the week, the performance would happen. And we spent all week practicing. And yet these kids, obviously because they're kids, I cannot fault them for this because they are kids, but they didn't know their lines or their cues yeah. or their marks. And as
1: like, as a grown-up, I was like, eee. my favorite thing about uh, elementary school talent shows is that there's a level where it's school talent shows and then there's mm-hmm. church talent shows. Mm. So I, I just want to let everyone know that while I didn't do elementary school talent shows, I was fully invested in the church talent shows.
0: I remember some of those. Yeah. Wait, yeah, you and I went to the same church growing up. Yeah. Why do I only remember like one talent show from?
1: Maybe growing you just up blocked it from your mind.
0: <laughs> Maybe. I, yeah.
1: I remember church talent shows because um my mom was a former dancer. Mm-hmm. I grew up doing hula. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which, you know, cultural dance fight, e, uh kind of a thing. And so there would be two versions of a talent show thing that I would do at church one it would be either like a game show skit that like I did with a group of people mm-hmm. or two it would be some sort of dance it was either I would come in with a traditional opening chant in Hawaiian like Aloha Hawaii and then I'd do a choreographed hula mm-hmm. and then I'd exit chanting again like, total, like, I don't know if that was, like, weird of me, but, like, I was totally into it. I'm like, fucking, I'm going to show you culture, you, like, <laughs>
0: American. Our church desperately needed some more culture, let right? me tell you. Like, it's much more diverse now in 2021, yeah. but, yeah, Still, when yeah. we were kids, it could have used a little bit more um, exactly culture.
1: Hmm. Fun memories. Looking back on it, realizing you were a weird child. <laughs>
0: All righty, let's get back to the show. All right. So this week, we're going to be closing up with what made me cry this week. And Caitlin, you're our guest host this week. So can you tell me what made you cry this week? The
1: video of Sandra Oh um, at a Stop Asian Hate protest or rally. I guess it would be just shouting, like, be proud to be Asian. Mm -hmm. Um, I cried during that. And then I cried because I saw a TikTok of someone being like, hey, even if you are mixed, you are still fully Asian. Mm -hmm. You are not half a human. You are not half as upset about things. You don't experience, like, hate against Asians half as much. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You are a full person with a full experience and your feelings are valid. Mm -hmm. And I fucking broke down and sobbed when I heard that.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. For context, just because this episode is going to come out probably about a month from now, um, just about 10 days ago or so, the Atlanta shooting targeting Asian-American women in day spas happened. And it has been very heartbreaking for all of us in the Asian-American community. And it's causing us to have a reckoning discussing racism against asian people and the discrimination we face and the hatred that we've been dealing with for the last hundred
1: years 200 years forever yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so um yeah i totally understand so yeah um those are the two serious things that have made me uh tear up and i think in like the earlier podcast that i like recorded with you guys i was like talking about how like i am in this personal journey of like trying to like and, like, reclaim, but also understand and accept my heritage a little bit more.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And your, our, my emotions, and I'm assuming yours as well, have been very high uh, recently about all this. And um, mm-hmm. just hearing someone I look up to be, like, be proud, um, especially when uh, I'm about to cry. Uh, but especially when, like, there are moments in my life where I did not ever want to be Asian. hmm um, where I hated the fact that I was Asian.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I wish that I was just fully one or the other. That I wasn't mixed.
0: That that last one there, yeah. I definitely feel you. Yeah. I didn't necessarily hate myself for being Asian, but I remember wishing that I was just one or the other so that the complications of being mixed race wouldn't be a problem for me.
1: Yeah.
0: I definitely relate to that. Yeah. So my story for this week... Um, the central bit of the story actually was not this week. However, I was telling it to a friend yesterday and it made me cry when I was telling it. So that is uh, the this week part of that. Anyway, so um, back in 2019, my grandmother on my mother's side passed away. And my, um, my grandmother, she, I call her bachan, which is the Japanese word for grandmother. Um, my bachan loved to feed the feral cats in her neighborhood um so yeah the cats in her neighborhood got very friendly they would always come up to the house and ask for food and it's been like that my entire life anyway back in 2019 my bachan passed and um my my parents and i didn't make it to the initial funeral because it was just obviously like not enough time to get over there However, we went back for the 49-day ceremony, which is kind of like another version of the funeral. Um, we lay her ashes inside of the tomb of our family, and there's like an additional ceremony um, because in the Shinto belief that my par- that my grandparents lived with, um, the belief is that the soul remains on the earth for 49 days after passing, and then after that 49th day, because 49 is seven times seven. Yeah. Um, they, the soul will ascend to the next plane. So we went for the 49 day ceremony um, and we got back to the modern house. And a lot of houses in Japan have what's called an ancestor room. Um, I don't know how prevalent this is in the rest of Asia, but um, but yeah, like if the house is big, Then usually there's a special room dedicated to the altar for the ancestors. And then usually there are photographs of um, the people whose ancestor plaques are in that room. And I got back to the house that first day. And my mom and her brother immediately took off to go take care of some business in town. So I was at the house by myself. And I went over to the ancestor room and I looked at the pictures of my relatives who've passed And I was feeling, you know, very strongly at that moment. And I was alone. And then I started to hear this meowing. And I went over to the window. And this, even though it's a modern house, it still has like sliding glass doors that lead to the outside. And there was a cat that was like pawing at the sliding door. And I opened it, and the cat just very comfortably walked inside. And I'd never seen any of my grandma's feral strays do that. Like, usually they stay outside, and they don't like to be touched because they're still feral cats. Like, they like to be fed, and they liked my bachan, but they didn't really like strangers. But this one came into the house and sat on my lap and purred and, like, gave me company while I was alone and, like, starting to deal with the loss of bachan. And at that moment, I just really felt like she was looking over me. Yeah. And I really, really felt touched by her lasting presence on this earth. Um, yeah. So that made me cry two years ago. That made me cry when I told the story yesterday. And I'm kind of tearing up right now.
1: It's all good. Like, I, I'm getting a little watery-eyed, <laughs> like, just listening to it. Um, yeah, because, um, God, losing grandparents is so hard. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm
0: definitely still dealing with losing bachan. Like, I haven't fully dealt with it. Um, I think because in a lot of ways, I just, like, I was like, well, my grandparents are Japanese, so they're going to live to be a (laughs) hundred. Like, like my great grandmother, live to be 99 years old
1: oh yeah no that's fair yeah I kind of just
0: assumed my grandmother would also live to be 99 years old and that I would have like another 15 years to talk to her and to hear her stories and to get to know her as an adult and I haven't fully mourned that loss
1: yeah no yeah I feel that when you were saying like Japanese people living into well into the nineties, I'm like, yeah, both my grandma nine like well into her nineties. My grandpa's currently ninety four. Like... Yeah,
0: yeah. I think it's usually common. It it was kind of surprising to me that I lost both of my mother's parents before they hit the nineties. But yeah, I um, yeah, I'm still dealing with that. I haven't yeah. fully processed that grief, which is why sometimes I like. Put on a song about grandmas to cry about, yeah. and you guys will probably hear about it in another episode <laughs> where we'll do tissue tunes, and I will tell you more about that. Yeah. Um. About my process, the loss of grandmother song.
1: I, I'm very. I appre- I really appreciate mm-hmm. you sharing this. Honestly, I do. Because I think also like for me, I know I am dealing like still dealing emotionally with like loss of people. Um, mm-hmm. and I know that a lot of us right now are, are dealing with this sort of grieving process mm-hmm. in a way that we don't really understand. Mm-hmm. And like, I hate to make this like sound super timely and put a stamp on this episode, but like, I don't think that we can't not say it, the fact that it's been like a year and pandemic mm-hmm. and there is this sense of grief that we're all like collectively feeling. Mm hmm. And like not to diminish your own personal grief or like our own personal grief, but like there is something to be said about having to learn and given giving ourselves the space like once we are done with the survival part, mm-hmm. but like giving ourselves the space to have grief because mm-hmm. oftentimes I've noticed it's like when you're just surviving, you don't give yourself space for that. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's true. Well, I think that's all, folks. Did you like Whale Rider? Tell us how it made you feel by hitting us up on Twitter at TearJerkers underscore pod and join the conversation with other
1: listeners on Facebook at TearJerkers Community. And if you want to send a voice memo with your movie nomination and why that film made you cry, you can send that to TearJerkers.Podcast at gmail.com.
0: And if you have a chance, please give us a five-star review or rating on whatever you use to listen to us so we can reach more ears.
1: And don't forget to subscribe or favorite so you can be sure to catch us in the next episode. And as always, tell your friends about this podcast.
0: Tell someone you know who loves the ocean about this podcast. Or if you know anyone who's ever ridden a whale or anything similar, like even a dolphin, tell them to listen to us.
1: Someone like me. I've ridden a dolphin.
0: Wait, what? Oh God, you got to tell me this off air. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. Teardrickers is produced by me, Mabel Shimizu, and co-hosted by me and this week's guest host, who is...
1: Caitlin Reed.
0: And where can our listeners find you and your work?
1: Well, currently, um, CaitlinReed.com, my website. Just follow me there. Um, I should have my YouTube and stuff available um, and social media available on that site as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today, Caitlin. It
0: was so great to talk to you.
1: Oh, so great to talk to you. This was a highlight of my week.
0: And another thank you to Oliver for our show art. If you are interested in contacting him about purchasing any artwork for yourself, you can do so by emailing beastcoastarts at gmail.com. And finally, a last thank you to the wizard behind our intro music and the editing hero of this podcast, Gage Pryor. You can find more of his tunes at soundcloud.com/slash Lincoln, please. Thank you so much for listening. Go stomp the patriarchy.